everyone. Welcome to a backhanded edition of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who clearly was made in the 70s. What are you, some kind of marionette or something? I, what the heck was that? Sometimes I feel like it, man. And I was made in the 70s. This is the cut-rate Westworld right here. It's the Brent. <laughs> this is like... You know, it's like the Westworld that's at Myrtle Beach. And you're Amigo Aaron. You that's, forgot to say that. Oh, that's right. That is me. So, if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel and we made the deal, the exciting deal, Brent. Yes. This week, we'll be playing handheld games. Oh. Look how I present that. Isn't that nice? Handheld games, Brent. Now, let me ask you. Uh, I wanted to, before we get into the bulk of the show, I want to talk about your... your uh, Early experiences with handhelds. What were you into? What did you own? And I'm going to go over some of mine too. Well, uh, a lot of ours are, are shared since we were, you know. Yeah, but I, I made sure to break all my stuff before uh, you ever got hold of my it. My absolute favorite was the electronic football uh, with the little lines and you it's, run up and down the field. It's funny. It's almost like I know you. Because well, you got to do. Because in this, in this here country, uh, Mattel football was an institution. Yes. I actually looked some stuff up on it just for fun. Uh, Mattel football came out in 1977. Yeah. Man, it ran on a 9-volt. It was an LED-based game. Yes. And the game is white with a, uh, uh, a uh, like a little mini stadium at the top. Yes. And you've got your little, you've got uh, uh, your arrows, and you use it. You basically can move your guy across the field, try not to get tackled. It's very simple. It's played with Now, dashes. ours was not white. Ours was brown and there's, orange. Well, there's multiple. This yeah. was the most um, copied game in history. Yeah. I looked up some stats. Now, get this get this crazy stuff. So, uh, when this came out in June of 77, um, it was the second game released by Mattel. And it was sold through Sears. And after less than 100,000 were made, Sears determined that the game wasn't going to be a big seller. So, they... And so they basically gave up on football and concentrated on auto racing. Well, football, within six months, had sold uh, 500,000 units. Wow. And so they made a fortune. They made a fortune on that thing. Yeah. And everyone had one of these over here. Yeah. And, and so and, and as we go up the line on these, uh, something that came out just a few years later, and I have to own this. I'm going to grab it here. Uh, and this is also from Mattel. This is... World Championship Baseball. Now, this game makes football look like absolute garbage, Brent, because it is the most complex game ever. This is very similar, an electronic version of basically in television baseball, which is one of the best in television games yeah, ever. absolutely. Look at this thing. Now, if you think about what football looked like, and I'll put a picture up there. You can see, look at this thing. This thing is complex as heck. You've got your, uh, you've got a little door here to hide your pitching. Here's a little door here to hide your, uh, your batting. This thing is a monster. It takes like, I think it's nine, it takes like eight or nine batteries. It takes Woo! a ton of batteries. It weighs a ton. Uh, but this yeah, thing was so point. complex that you have to have the manuals to play it because you have to program in each player's statistics. Think about that. That's a team mind. roster for both teams. Yeah, it has yeah. on the back here. Yeah, it's it's, wow. even got all, it's even got miniature items in it. Oh, it looks six, like six C's. Six was, C's is yeah. what gets her going. So that was they, this three, was from the 1980s. It, it was from 1980. In three years, that's that's where you went. Uh, now, when I was a kid, the big handheld. Now, of course, I grew. I started out with like the Tommy games uh, mostly. Uh, here, I'll take that. And you and uh, your recipe for disaster. Yeah, there it goes. Would you just give me that? So, Coleco was making the arcade little arcade miniature games, which is funny because it's sort of what we have we're looking at today. These games were the bomb. Everyone wanted yes. them. They still sort of want them, don't they? Oh, they're very, they're highly collectible. Yeah, they are. Uh, these days came out in '81, and uh, they were about sixty bucks, just <clears throat> under sixty bucks, which would be about. 160 bucks now. It'd be a lot. You know, that's a lot of money back then. They had Frogger, Donkey Kong, Miss, uh, Pac-Man, and Miss Pac-Man, Galaxian, Zaxxon, and Donkey Kong Jr. Which Donkey Kong Jr. was a little bit weird looking. We don't. But these were uh, these were not little screens. They were not little video screens. These were LED screens. LEDs. Yeah. And they 
I will say, uh, some of these played pretty well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Donkey Kong in particular was pretty I, I thought Frogger on. was really Frogger good. Frogger was on as well. Pac-Man was playable. You know, yep. Miss Pac-Man. I don't remember. I, I know I've played Galaxy, but I don't remember if much. That's, that'd be a different one. That'd be a tougher one to pull off, I think. Now, in the same vein as those little arcade games, uh, I remember uh, constantly bumming one of your friends, uh, Tim, he had a Pac-Man watch. Yes, those were also and, very popular. Uh, I would play those in church yes. a ton, and it had a little <laughs> screw-down joystick that you could yeah. screw into the face of the watch uh, for your up, down, left, right, and it played. It played pretty well for what it was. Yeah, and uh, I, I remember always wanting one, and and mom and dad would never get me one. But uh, uh, that was something in the same vein as those larger arcade games, just. You know, on your watch. And of course, we did a whole show about the Nintendo the game, the, the yes. game and watch series, which were super uh, fun. Although, you know, I played the, I played some of those, but it's not like everyone had those things. And I don't know if they were popular around here. Did you see a lot of those? I mean, that was a little bit. You were obviously several years younger than yeah, me. Yeah, I, I would have. I would have been a little itty bitty. <clears throat> so the uh, with the Coleco arcade, you know, it's funny how the things evolve. Um, uh, I we I went from that because I used to play a lot of the non-electronic Tommy style games, you know that that you you could play, uh, and they and with marbles and water and stuff. I'd yes. take those in the car, uh, loads but, little jets of air out, to right. Get the rings on the pegs. Eventually, though, you you moved into uh, the Game Boy came around, and so you've got a lot of. Uh, people that instantly switched over to those handheld. Well, that's, those, you, you skipped a lot of years. That's right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to. When you think back to the handheld stuff you had, yeah, there were mostly. I think football, baseball, and the Coleco things. Is there anything you else that you had? Uh, well, like I said, I, obviously, watch. football would be right up there. Uh, the Pac-Man watch. You know, I the watches. The one thing about the watches, aside from the fact that they were that they let you play a game anywhere you wanted. It was just sort of, you felt like a really cool guy. It's like, man, I got a game on my watch. Yeah, I when I played it, uh, because I didn't wear it like a watch, but I could, because it was too big for me at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I would just hold, hold it one hand and had the little stick with the other hand and really enjoy playing it like that. But I can, you know, imagine playing it on your wrist, just sitting in class or something. Yeah. Um, I guess after that, I did go to the Game Boy. Yeah, uh, that's my point. We didn't, the we Game didn't Boy have, came out earlier than you'd think. It was yeah, out pretty early, and, and that's a huge leap. It's it a is huge, because the watches and the old arcade machines, where they were all just static images with lights that would light up behind them, uh, and then going to a active LCD screen with pixels and movement like that—crazy to really think about. You know, it's funny when you when you. Think of the uh, the age of the electronic portable gaming machine. You've got you know you start off with your with your uh, Game Boy, then you had your Atari Lynx, you had your various Sega incarnations, mm-hmm. and you had eventually they had the Nomad, and you moved on. Really, they advanced in technology up to the point now where you've got like the Switch, which I mean, technically you can is say a, is, it's, is a, well, the new one is one hundred percent a portable. Yeah, and uh, but. One thing I thought about was like, where, what were the major hurdles aside from the fact that they advanced the uh, architecture? And I, and I picked. You know, it's funny. I bought one of these years ago, and I thought this might be. A, I'm someday maybe we'll do a whole show on this. But I just thought it because this sort of counts for something. that's sort of pivotal. This is this little unit is a GP2X. Remember this thing, Brent? The old GP2X. This was a uh, as Shane Armand wrote, says a quirky Korean handheld unit. And uh, mine's the gamepads come off of it, but. Uh, uh, this was a. This came out. Uh, I think it came out in 2006. Yeah, 2005. Excuse me. And this had a uh, SD card slot in it. So these are. It's a more modern system. Absolutely. But the one thing that this did for handhelds. This is the first one I ever saw that you could do emulation on. Yeah, that uh, was meant for emulation. That's well. I mean, no. It, well, I don't think it was necessarily meant for emulation, but it was embraced by the community. And this. It was meant for emulation. Well, it's a, it, you never know. And, of course, the GP, uh, the, the, the Game Park's first model uh, did some emulation, but this is the one where you really could go crazy yeah. on the emulation of it. The processor had finally caught yeah. up to uh, it the had rest a, of the technology. It had an ARM processor in it, 200 megahertz, and you could, 
you can play games. Now, this thing ran through two AA batteries like they were going out of style. Yes, the battery life on it was That was bad. sort of the uh, perpetual uh, problem with it and the fact that the, uh, the joystick could eventually go bad on you. But we had a lot of fun with these. I think we both had one. And now yep. I don't. I, I, I've lost track. I think one got stolen. This is the only one I've got left. Is is this one here? And it's it's not in the best shape. And one of the things the uh, the uh, uh, the manufacturer just wasn't the best. Let's just put it that. Well, way. it was it was made to be a get out the door unit, which is you know you how get many what you get. You want to guess how many of these things they they sort of have listed as being sold? I was surprised. Of the GP2X, yeah, I'm going to say a hundred thousand. Oh, you know, pretty good. As of August 31st, 2008, uh, the fellow, the CEO of Game Park Holdings, Michael Mrozek, uh, said that they'd sold 60,000 units. So that's not too bad. And then that, shortly after that, they announced the new version, I'm sure. So I can't imagine there's too many more uh, than 60,000 the GP2X is going around. Now, and now I, I wanted to bookend this by show, showing how things sort of have, have, in a weird way, have, have come back around. I got another item here. For, for, I wanted to mention this. I couldn't find it. I looked for it. They just a few years ago they released an awesome uh, handheld version of the Oregon Trail. Yeah, uh, which was I, I think that that right there is a nice uh, uh, way to show how the, the whole handheld market has came back around to sort of the old style game. Well, it, you sell what you think you can sell. I mean, the technology is there to basically release anything in handheld form. Yeah. So you sell what you think you can sell. So we talked about Coleco, and so I wanted to and, and handhelds. This I picked up uh, this little item at a at the Hillbilly Flea Market in beautiful Greenup, Kentucky. And for uh, those watching on the or listening yeah. at home, this is literally a screen with a joystick and some buttons. That's yep. literally it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this this uh, this thing plays. I think it's like ten games. It's called the Target Ten. Uh, I picked this thing up. It was covered in syrup. I picked it up. I picked it up for free. It was given to me with another purchase. <laughs> the, the purchase of a joystick for my for my IBM. And uh, uh, took it up, cleaned it up, and it works. It plays ten hideous games. Clearly, Coleco has left the building, and this is the zombie version, <laughs> much like Atari, that just lumbers along That's and will it. not die. Uh, but it uh, it's sad to me that Coleco's name gets strapped to these things. They, I did some quality stuff. It's amazing to me the damage the Adam did to these poor guys. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, as we discussed previously, they really yeah. they really took took a beating. So handhelds as advanced as they've gotten, and with the LCD screens and stuff. I mean, in a lot of ways, they've come right back down to where they were. Well, now you know what the most popular handheld is: phones. Uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, you're uh, right. I mean, no one. Outside of some very rare circumstances like the Switch, and some people are, uh, obviously are still playing Game Boys and whatnot, but all of your handheld gaming nowadays is done on a phone yeah. because it's the screen is there. The only thing it doesn't have, and there are tons of add-ons that will give you this or just connect a controller to your phone, <laughs> uh, is good controls. But it's amazing <clears throat> at what phones have done to make gaming uh, something... I mean, I remember people, if you were around other kids, playing Game Boy games was nothing. But if you were an adult around other adults, you didn't want to pull out a Game Boy or something because it felt like a kid's toy. Uh, There was a stigma about it, no matter how you look at it. Nowadays, you see everyone and their brother pulling out a phone and playing a game on a phone like it's nothing. And it's ironically, I think the stigma is now long gone. It is. Because it is. Of, of the phone. Yes. yes. Uh, you're right. There was a, you know, it's funny. When when I was younger, you could go to an arcade and be an adult. No one blinked an eye. That's right. As, as the years rolled on, people started looking at you funny. It, yep. You know, so it didn't stop me, but still, oh, I, they no. did. Yeah. So, uh, when thinking about it in these terms, we decided to pick a couple handheld. We didn't say this was an electronic handheld, but I guess it sort of is. I guess we could have picked some mechanical handhelds, but we didn't. And we picked two completely different handhelds yes, this week. Yes, we did. Like Brent surprised me. So I'm going to... I'll lead the... No, no, I'm leading the charge. Do you want to lead the charge Absolutely. this week? Okay, you can lead the charge this week, Brent. What did you... Now, this was Bizarre Week. We should mention that. So I had to pick Brent's game. That's correct. And Brent picked mine. I want to make that abundantly clear before we start <laughs> what do you this. Mean? I don't know what you mean by that. Well, okay. yeah. So, Brent, what, are you, what, are you, what did I pick for you? I know what I picked. Digital Derby. Yes. Digital Derby Auto Raceway. This was something that was released way back when in 1978. This is actually the end of an era because this was 
at a time when handhelds were switching over to LEDs. They were cheaper, they were more reliable, um, and they were more in vogue, I suppose, because, you know, crazy screens and flashing lights, arcades and gaming was picking up, so that was becoming a lot more acceptable and high-tech. Uh, digital Derby, despite its name, is not digital at all. There's absolutely nothing digital about it. Uh, in fact, I want to talk a, a lot about how this machine works. It's incredibly a genius. It is all based on one continuous circuit. And inside the device, uh, to make your road go, uh, oh, let's talk about the gameplay real quick. I'm getting ahead of myself. Get excited about I want to talk about the energy of this thing so bad. Uh, Digital Derby has you racing down a roadway where you are trying to dodge cars, either left or right. There are two lanes that move at different speeds. Uh, you also have a gear shifter that goes from neutral one, two, or three, and this changes the speed at which you go down the road. And the, the uh, object of the game is to accrue as many laps as possible, which is kept on a little counter uh, in the time limit without crashing. So when you start the game, you start the game in neutral and you, you rev your engine basically. You hit your button to rev your engine and the, the timer begins. And then you let go of the engine button and you use your gear shifter to start your car rolling. Uh, in neutral, nothing happens. You just sit there. In uh, Actually, in neutral, the other racers will come up from behind you. In one, you will go the exact same pace as the other vehicles. So you'll basically not get anywhere. In two, you're stuck going a little bit faster. And in three, you're going fast enough that the lanes are noticeably different speeds. Uh, your right lane is slower than your left lane, which uh, the traffic comes at you at a faster pace. So you have to use your gears to... Uh, spread the cars apart because they will otherwise come at you right beside each other where you cannot dodge left or right because both lanes are taken. So you change gears, which makes one lane go faster than the other one so that it can go by you, you can get into that lane, and then switch back over to the other lane. That's how the game plays, and you do this until you run out of time. The innards of this machine are incredible. They are absolutely <clears throat> incredible. <clears throat> It is all based off of a circuit that is completed with copper discs attached to gears. Uh, and the gears are all have leads, which for people who aren't uh, electronically sound, those are basically your leads, if they touch copper pads, will complete a circuit. And if they are not touching copper pads, will not. <clears throat> That's just a very basic description of it. Um, Everything in this is based off these copper leads and pads. Uh, as the film, which is basically a piece of plastic wrapped in a uh, uh, circular motion, it's runs... Like a belt. Right. Well, it's not a belt. It's more like a treadmill. Right, yeah. That's what I mean. It goes around in circles. <clears throat> it has holes in that film for where the cars are. And you can't see this from this from the outside of the unit. But when you're looking inside the unit, there's holes. And where those holes are, if your steering wheel is pointed in that direction, will cause copper leads to fall into that hole, complete the circuit, and that's where you get your crash sound and your flashing light and all that stuff. Um, also, the <clears throat> gear shifter on the side works exactly like an actual gear shifter, like, like a 10-speed bike. It moves a set of gears up and down, causing it to go onto larger and smaller gears, which changes the speed of how quick the, the belts inside move. Uh, it is a very, very clever design. And something about this is everything inside of this is fixable. There, I mean, if you have broken plastics, of course, that's a little bit different. But if you are not making connections somewhere inside or your leads are off, you can always clean it. 
and you can get this thing back and up and running. As long as nothing is physically broken plastic-wise, these are very, very repairable. It's funny you should mention that, because I should mention this this uh, digital derby is on loan from the Boat Collection. Yeah. And I actually bought this for Boat, I think it was for Christmas last year. And when I bought it, it didn't work. <clears throat> and so, guess what? I had to take it apart. And sure enough, just what you said, I was I marveled at the insides of this thing. It's like, you know what it reminded me of? It was the uh, handheld equivalent of opening up our hard drive. And it's just like, uh, it was just crazy time in there. All the mechanical parts that were working. <clears throat> and uh, But I managed to, you're right, I managed to clean it up, uh, make a few minor repairs, and uh, it works great, Yeah, as you found out. And... Uh, 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 it, it's it's a, the engineering involved. It's quite remarkable. Yes, it, it's amazing what they've done. It's literally just the electricity and, and gears. That's it. That's absolutely all it does. Is um, now for the fun of the game. Back in nineteen seventy eight, when this came out, I would have been one. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy this when it first came out, uh, which really means, for the most part mechanical games are kind of not in my age range. I didn't play them. Uh, however, I have respect for this machine, knowing how it works, but from a gameplay perspective, it is very weak. It is very weak. Being that there's only two lanes, uh, I think that really hurts the replayability of it. <clears throat> when my uh, first or second play, once I figured out how everything works, uh, I was able to get to 68, and the lap counter maxes out at 99. Uh, it's very solvable. You notice, once you figure out how the cars move and how the gear shift makes the different tracks go different speeds, you can always dodge the vehicles. So, after that, I lost my will to play it because there was nothing else for me to do on it. You didn't get to 99. I, but I didn't care to get to 99. That's the problem. Uh, so for me, this was not very replayable. The other <clears> problem <throat> I had with it is you cannot play this in the dark or even a dimly lit room. Looking into the device, uh, it's all black with the cars are kind of this off-white thing. And it's to hide the different... Uh, belts and uh, copper pads and whatnot that lie inside. Plus, it makes the the light, when you crash, more spectacular. Yeah, you, when you crash, a big red explosion comes right. out. And it and, goes... Argh. And that's all well and good, uh, but it means you have to play this in a pretty well-lit environment, which limits where you can play it at. And lastly, my big problem with it is, it can't be turned off. When you start That's a game, true. the time you it's going to run and it's going to be loud. This thing is loud. It's intimidatingly loud uh, it, in a in a nice way because it kind of does sound like engines revving and the crash sound is very very loud and intimidating. Which I, I like all of that, but there's no off button. the The game runs until your timer runs out, yeah. and I, the timer is about sixty seconds, sixty yeah. to seventy seconds. Uh, so, like, if you need to take a phone call or something, no, no this thing just grinds away like crazy there no in the background. In well, that's right. Nothing. So, it while, demanded your full attention. While I very much appreciate that this device exists and how it exists, it is just not for me. Aaron, what did you feel about it? Well, of course, I love it. Uh, that's why I picked it. And I knew the history of it and the mechanical aspects of it. It's a remarkable uh, uh, little game. It is. And I, this is not the one I had as a child. Like I said, I, th th by the way, I picked that up at the Hillbilly Flea Market, too. Of course. I love the Hillbilly Flea Market. But uh, um, when this came out and I was a little kid, it was awesome. I mean, I, when I, It's funny. My childhood, I, it seems like one long car ride. <laughs> it seems like I was in the car all the time. We did a lot of car driving. And so yeah. when we were in the car, uh, you had that it was we you know you could only play uh, uh, license plate bingo or 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 uh, uh, I Spy or whatever so long or read books and so you'd had to play these little games and I had a backseat full of Tommy games and uh, you know the, like I said the water <laughs> ones and the lots of mostly the marble ones I had a ton of those and so when you get something like this that comes out I couldn't believe it that's something that people can't understand you were racing cars on a moving track. 
That was a, that was that wasn't a marble. This was astounding. <laughs> I mean, I had those little like marble pinball games, oh, and, and they could have a race car theme, but that ain't racing. Right. This was legitimate racing, and it was fun. Now there were other games that were similar to this. In fact, some that had a color track, and but the premise was the same. The car was attached to the steering wheel. Right. When you move the steering wheel back and forth, it moved the car around. But this one just felt more realistic because it was it was uh it had to, it just felt like you when you play it the game shakes. I mean it you it vibrates because from the gears there's yeah. stuff going on. It's loud, like you said. It was probably not the most fun people had being with me in the no. car. You know, but I used to play it over and over, and I think ultimately. As so many kids do, I took mine apart to see what was going on in there. And you didn't, as a kid, you don't know what a screwdriver is. You just violently rip it apart, and it doesn't work anymore. And I think that's what I did. I see. I seem to remember. I knew it had like movie strip style, yes, you know things. I thought, man, I've got to get in there and check this out. Uh, but I, I, I love this game. I loved it. I don't. Like I said I, I assume mine was destroyed. So when I saw it, and uh, I was like, I know Boat would appreciate this. And we've got a bunch of uh, people in Discord that are like are into collecting handheld games and stuff. So that, uh, so I thought this is the the right pick. But I, I really like this game a lot. I have no idea what it cost when it came out, uh, you know, or anything like that. Uh, well, and of course, sales numbers from '78, they they you don't get them, right? Uh, but I can tell you that this thing had a TV commercial, which means that they thought it was going to be huge. And I guarantee it was huge because you can buy these uh, on the secondhand market all day yeah. long. I'm talking, you can buy broke ones, you can buy fixed ones, you can buy new in box ones, you can buy ones, you know, in the box. And the price range is incredibly reasonable. You can get new in box ones? Yeah. That's stunning. The, uh, the ones in box sell for about 60 bucks. Yeah. And the ones out of box working sell for about 30 bucks and the ones not working sold for parts are about 6 bucks. I'm going to tell you, you know, recently I've I've noticed the trend. We were talking about Mattel football a couple a couple years ago they re-released Mattel football. Yep. Now they it was not exactly the same they'd added like sound effects but it was effectively the same game. It looked the same. And I always wondered why. I thought maybe this might be a candidate to catch some of that uh, hipster market or, or retro market where you get where people are getting back into this stuff. Because I mean, I think I think this is a, a tremendous looking game, and I would not change a thing. You've got it, no turning it off, no nothing. You just have to deal with it. I mean, if you accidentally hit the button, I, I remember putting this in my toy box. And just hearing it running in there, it's like, well, I must have, I must have dropped a toy on this sucker. So, but so you didn't like it though, huh? No, I'm, it's like I said, I appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate its ingenuity and its construction, but for me, as a game, I solved it too quickly. I thought it was a lot of fun, and also, you're, one thing I will say, I was like, let's see, in '78, I was eight. And it, so it, maybe if you'd have played it then, you wouldn't have solved this. Well, and I was one, so. <laughs> well, now, you took something that was old. Yeah. And I delivered to you something that was new, trying to be old. What did you have to review, Aaron? Well, what you put me on was Burger Time. Uh, the cock, the little mini arcade version of the, Burger Time. Yeah, the my arcade version That's of Burger right. Time. So, before we get into this, let's just a brief talk about what Burger Time is. All right. Because I don't want to, I don't want to get the two confused uh, completely here. So, Burger Time, uh, a game that came out in way back, Brandy. You know what? You guess what year this came it's 82, out? Eighty two. You're it? right. What yeah. a year! Another great year. Yeah. Uh, another a Data East game. They're, you know, they Data were East. on fire. This got ported to every conceivable yes. thing. You can play Burger Time on your toaster. You play it on your calculator. Play it on, it's on everything. I think the, uh, by the way, got a Mattel Aquarius release. Of they, course. Why not? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think if there's a, a, a perennial favorite amongst the home crowd versions of this. I would probably say the Intellivision version is the one that I think of uh, as a standout version. I thought it was really good. Man, I think it's one I don't of know about that. I think it's one of Intellivision's best games. Uh, so in this it game, was good. Uh, you are uh, a chef, Peter Pepper. Yep. And he, Peter Pepper has to go around making hamburgers. Well, how does he make them? He's like. 
he's making giant hamburgers and he walks across the different parts of the hamburger and they fall down and you have to stack them all at the bottom of the screen. I'm sure most people have played or at least heard of Burger Time. Sure. It's super famous. Uh, and it, it is often parodied. In fact, uh, if you're a Bob's Burger fan, uh, they did a they, Bob got obsessed with a game on the show called uh, uh, it was called Burger Boss, and it was a it was sort of like a uh, platformer version of Burger Time. Yes. And so, because I, I, I love Bob's Burgers, um, <clears throat> but I mean it's been parodied forever. I think Adult Swim's done some stuff on it. Absolutely. So if you're just walking around making hamburgers, no problem. But of course, you've got some angry uh, ingredients on your tail and. <laughs> In the form of like a sausage, an egg, and a pickle. Yeah. These things are trying to get you, and they just they just come at you nonstop, uh, and they, they ramble around. And the, the chef's only weapon is he has a some is some pepper. He yep. hits the button, and he throws pepper. And when he throws pepper on it, stuns them. You know. And then something else you could do is you could trap them in the sandwich, which is always good because then it falls further if there's stuff on it. Yeah, it's heavier, so the ingredients fall down more. It's a great. Oh, I forgot about Mr. Egg. He's also involved in yep. it. And which again, I don't know anybody that eats egg on the burger, but I know they make burgers. Oh, they're great. Eggs. Yes, you've had all that. Have oh, you? Oh God, all the time. Yeah. That's that's bizarre. So there are six there are six levels in the game, and which I didn't even know that I've never gotten to the sixth level. Yeah. I can tell you that right and now. And then it loops. Uh, and this has also appeared in, uh, I know at some point I played a, a little version of this. Like, I, I'm sure I played a handheld version of somewhere. I'm trying to think of when. I looked, and I couldn't find it, so it may just be something in my mind. But I, I just, for some reason, I distinctly remember uh, uh, getting one of these. Uh, it had a, a, several not good sequels, I might add. Yeah, and, unfortunate. So, uh, here comes this game here. Now, this is, like Brent said, this is from an outfit called My Arcade, Okay. And if you're watching the stream, you can see I've got the item set in here. And uh, what you've got here, for the start, the first thing I had to do was try to figure out how to turn it on. Oh, yeah. Uh, we didn't give each other instructions to see how user-friendly these were. Now, mine has instructions written on the back. Yeah. This one has nothing. By the way, yours is missing side art. I was uh, that, and that, that's my fault. Okay. Yeah. So, normally, this would have side art on both sides. So, I will say, cleverly, you turn this thing on by pushing the coin door in. And when you push the coin door, it lights up, and then, lo and behold, Burger Time comes up on the screen. Now, you've got a control panel here with a, uh, clearly, a game pad with a joystick uh, hole. Screwed and into yeah, you it. And yeah. you could unscrew this joystick if you want. I never, I never bothered to do it, but you could. You've got two pepper buttons here, and you've got a start and a reset. And then on the back of it, you've got a volume control, and I think there's also a micro, yeah, my headphone uh, jack back here in your and ba your batteries. You can also plug this in with USB. So it's it's pretty modern. This came out I think it was two thousand six. So Burger Time. They took and miniaturized. Now yeah. <clears throat> I will say this: as much as I um, loved the Coleco arcade machines, uh, the the thing that has happened recently, I I have to admit, it, I find slightly baffling. And that is these miniaturized arcade machines. They're coming out in all different sizes, from very small to three, you know, two quarters, yeah, two fours, whatever. Seriously tiny three, ones, yeah. Two, two quarters. That's right, Aaron. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and and all points in between. We've yes. seen all these things, and I, I guess it's because since we own a bunch of games or in our main cabinet, I've never quite understood the appeal of. I guess if you got a bunch of these, you may just have a little mini arcade or whatever. Or you, or one of these people that puts them on the shelf. Well, not everyone has a separate building for which an arcade. I understand, sets. but I mean, what? I guess my first question when it comes to these is what? In the old days, you would buy these because you couldn't play these at home. Like I couldn't play Frogger. I had to, but, but Coleco made a thing I could take home and pretend I'm playing Frogger, right? Right. You can play anything now all the time anywhere. So with if the exception, you know how. No, anyone can play no, anything. No, that, that, if I logged on to the phone right now and typed in Burger Time in the App Store, I can be darn sure that a Burger Time games will come up in there. Absolutely. However, you are not going to have the tactile controls. Well, I don't have them now because these are the arcade controls. I'll get to that in a moment. But anyway, to finish my thought here, the the I've, the whole uh, uh, the whole mini arcade thing has been sort of lost on me. I, I didn't quite get not even because I own arcade games. I just don't. Understand why you want to play a little thing like that when you could play a full size one. Secondly, uh, calling this a handheld is probably 
I mean, can you play this while you're holding it? You can. But, I mean, this is the as big as you're going to want to ever have a, a handheld be. I agree. It's, it's, it's pretty pretty. Now, pretty I, want, I want to uh, show you for just a size comparison here. Yeah. I mean, it is. But I mean, it's it it's, is every bit as big. No, it's 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 not the size. It's the it's awkward. It's awkward to I hold. Understand. That's flat. This is Bill's early angle. Now, uh, I have played Burger Time in the arcade many many times, as have you. And Burger Time has an awesome cabinet. Uh, and one of the things that makes it great is it's got a very unique uh, cabinet build. Yeah. Where the top of the cabinet is is ballooned out a little bit to accommodate. Uh, the chef's hat. Yes. The chef is prominently displayed on the sides. Uh, for whatever, oh, I know why they did it. I think this does not have. This is not the no, what you would the normal side art would be, and this is not the normal kick art, uh, and this is not the normal control. None of this is standard there. So basically, they took the they just basically took the theme of Burger Time and used it. They didn't actually take the cabinet of Burger Time because this. The cabinet for Burger Time doesn't look like this cabinet that is very in, true. Any, in any way. That's very true. Um, except for maybe the marquee. I don't think the marquee even looks like it, that. It is not. No. Um, and certainly the uh, bezel is different. So what you're getting with this particular item is something that's not arcade accurate, which I will say a lot of the ones I'm seeing now are very arcade accurate. This one is not in terms of the way the uh, cabinet looks. So that's that's a uh, that's a minor hit against it. I mean, I, 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 could, I could let that slide. So let's talk about the actual game. Uh, I've played a lot of Burger Time, uh, Brent, on all different consoles and, and on the arcade. So when I loaded this thing up, right away, I thought to myself, okay, clearly what we've got here is not the arcade version of Burger Time. That's true. Just by the way it starts. It doesn't look anything like it. If you've played enough of Burger Time, you know the, the distinctive little tune. That's the tune. That's, that's, a, that's the an tune. exact <laughs> representation. Wow. Of the tune. So this game, the music's not the same. It's close. It's a close facsimile, but it's not the same. I noticed that instantly. Um, also, when you boot it up, you know instantly that it doesn't look like the arcade version. Uh, it's uh, the the arcade version. Uh, it just has a different has a different look to different graphics. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is. Um, Weirder looking, and the for some and for whatever reason, the hamburgers and some of the other stuff have it's sort of green around the edges. It looks like this stuff food's got a little moldy to me, so it looks like on the little screen. And so, that's I, not a concern. Though. I did a little digging, and from what I and this didn't surprise me from what I found, this is basically the NES version. Yes, of it is. Time. Now, why? Well, I I'll, why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> One of the popular, uh, Consumer chips to use in handhelds is what's called a Nintendo on a chip, uh, and it's used quite often. You see this quite often. In fact, I, I've heard I, I just recently somebody released. I, I was the I was Pac Man, I believe, or Miss Pac Man, on one of these little handhelds, and uh, they advertised it as arcade Pac Man. Well, what they gave you was the NES Pac Man. Now, mm -hmm. this is not the spirit of the NES. Uh, or the game. I mean, I've played the NES version of Burger Time. It's perfectly, it's perfectly suitable. It's okay. Yeah, like, it's, it's not, really good. I, 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 it's well, really close. It's, I mean, it's the NES. This, this thing came out a, a long time ago, and it's okay. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's not the arcade version of Burger no. Time. The graphics are the biggest difference. The graphics. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it's just different. The um, rules are the same. Yeah, yeah. How the, the same, enemies move. That sort of stuff is is correct. It's a conversion, is though is my yes, point. It's not the absolutely. authentic thing. So and and listen, I I listen to these guys review these things and and they're like, oh, I don't like, you know, they they they, they there's a note out of tune here or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're being too hard on these things. It's just a little fun thing. Don't worry, it's not that big a deal. But I'm gonna be the jerk guy. <laughs> Finally, I get to be the jerk. Uh, I I didn't like this, and uh, one of the big reasons is. It's not the arcade at Burgtown. Now this came out late in the game. You know, there's no reason uh, that they couldn't do it. Now I know why they didn't do it. It's because they didn't want to spend the money on on the uh, on the actual. Now, now, just some of the particulars on this, in case people want to know. Uh, this thing is six uh, and point uh, seven five inches tall. The display on this thing is almost a three inch display. It's a two point seven. The display is pretty good. Yeah, it's decent. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you, like I said, it's got the USB in the back, it's, or, or you can use four batteries. And these things retailed apparently when this came out, and for thirty-five bucks. 
All right, and, and, and I also found in the UK, they were going for anywhere between 25 and 35 pounds. Now, 35 bucks, Burger Time Portable, eh, it's okay. It's not like, I mean, it's a, it's okay deal. The, the number one killer for me on this thing, though, was the, was the controls. Uh, the controller on this thing, like I said, you've got this little joystick, and you can unscrew this, and you can see there's a, a, a D-pad right there. All right. Um, it's not that good. I, I had controls. And one of the problems, it's funny, because Burger Time's one of those games. And I'll tell you another one is uh, Donkey Kong. Games where you have to go up ladders. It is very easy to, if you don't have a good controller, to get caught either not getting up the ladder or getting off the ladder. Yes. And that happens uh, a lot in this game. And it from I did some research and I found out that uh, uh, the joysticks tend to not go left and right very well. Particularly, I think they said that left, you would have more trouble. I, just didn't, I thought... I didn't feel like a mechanical issue with the thing. I just didn't think it controlled well. It's not tight. I tried it with and without the joystick. <clears throat> and the joystick's strictly a gimmick. And something else I should mention is they've got two fire buttons here. Clearly, uh, uh, these these games are just ROM swaps. They've, and they, So get this. And I, I can reiterate that by looking at the list of games that these guys made. Now, they, they've, they've got a whole series of these uh, micro-player mini-arcade games. Okay, so get this. And now some of these... And sadly, some of these are, are some of my all-time favorite games, right? I'm just going to rattle some of these off. They got Bad Dudes. Now, some of these really I thought were odd. So, Bad Dudes, of course, right? Bubble Bobble. Here's one. Caveman Ninja. That was a surprise. Yeah. Dig Dug Elevator Action. Galaga. Galaxian. Heavy Barrel. Yeah. How are they going to do Heavy Barrel? That's got, isn't that have no, a... Uh, it doesn't have a clicky control. You sure? It, yes. Um... Mappy, Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man, Rolling Thunder. Actually, Heavy Barrel might. Rolling Thunder is another one that's a, a, a more obscure game. You know, you wouldn't expect to be released. Um, of course, this explains why the cabinet doesn't specialize for the thing. This explains a lot. So they just basically re-stickered these cabinets. It's a cheap arcade you know, clone. So I can understand that. Um, overall, you know... Yes, Heavy Barrel does have the rotation control. I told so you. you're not going to have that. I told but, you. If they're using the Nest port, they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's the thing. If they're using the Nest port with all these things, that's that's irrelevant. Overall, I would recommend it. To be honest with you, I, as much as I like Burger Time, because there are easier ways to play it now. Uh, but um, I'm not going to kill it. I mean, it could you can you play Burger Time? I sat here before the show and played Burger Time. It was okay, but it, I was disappointed that they didn't use. The uh, arcade version. Of course, also, you get into a whole different screen slant and a whole nine yards, so I can understand why they did it. Now, how did you come across this thing since this is yours? Uh, uh, my wife bought this for me, and she, uh -oh. she did not pay $35. Okay. She got it uh, at a discount much later in its lifespan. Uh, however, I love this little thing for what it does. I don't go, hmm, I'm going to play Burger Time and find this machine and play Burger Time. That's not what, it's, to me, that's not what this is for. <clears throat> this is setting around my house for when uh, I'm waiting for her to use the bathroom before we go out somewhere. I'm waiting for, you know, someone to get dressed. I'm waiting for any little time sink that you don't have enough time to pull at your phone or your computer to do something. But you want to fill the void with something. I've played levels one and two of Burger Time on this little machine about a million times. Because you can just turn it on. You can get into a game in a matter of seconds. I mean, it boots instantly. Yeah. I play until uh, whatever was delaying us is done. And then we can go. And I turn it off and that's it. And to me, that's what I play it as. And for that reason, for that purpose, it's wonderful. It is wonderful just to fill in 30 seconds or up to, you know, two or three minutes. And it plays well enough to do that. Uh, I prefer to use the little joystick. I think it makes it play better. I think it makes the controls a little more precise. Because the D-pad is very spongy. Yeah. Uh, it, it has issues. Um, this is not, obviously, an arcade perfect port of Burger Time, but it's good enough. I know Burger Time uh, 
Uh, I know how the enemies are supposed to move. I know. Uh, it, it, I will say they do get that right. Yeah, I know, and it's not. It's actually not perfect, but it's certainly good enough. Yeah. So uh, as long as you know what you're getting into when you buy it, you're getting the NES cartridge. Right. And, and really, it, it's all licensing. That's the that's the number one reason why it is the way it is. Um, I think it's money because they want well, that right, NES licensing. Well, it, it's but cheap. it's licensing too. It is. Yeah, but if you license they the own, Burger Time title, they, no, no, they've already owned it for years and years and years and years. That's why they. That's why they've made the games that they've made because they already have the license for them. Um, but I think it is fine. I, I do not think this is a replacement for a Mame Burger Time or an actual arcade Burger Time. I don't even think this necessarily looks that good setting on a shelf because, like you said, the art isn't right. Uh, if it if the art was right, if the cabinet style was right, then and some of them are, then that's fine. I think there's a perfect little things to put on your shelf. But that for me, that's not what this is used for. This is used for a two or three minute distraction, uh, maybe once a week. And for me, that fills the bill perfectly. You know, it's funny. I've got one of those re-released. Someone got me one of those re-released uh, football Mattel football mm-hmm. games. And by the way, we had an awesome one from uh, Tandy. That was great. Remember that one? But anyway. Uh, and I use it for the exact. It just it's literally setting around, mm-hmm. and and when I'm I'm like oh there's that thing I'm setting here I'll play that so I, I yep. understand what you mean there, uh, but uh, and for pe- I think a lot of people collect these little things to put on the shelf to have a nice you know, I don't know what it's about arcade people or video people they love having shelves full of crap yep you know and this would be this would fit nicely on your shelf of crap provided the people that were looking at it. We're not uh, critical, angry, or upset that it was not arcade act. Right. There, enough said. Yeah, I think that is a perfect description. So, with all that in mind, something that people do get angry and upset if you forget, it's wheel time. Uh-oh. Let's get this thing fired up. Now, Brent, tell the people what wacky, incredibly wacky thing we added this week. I believe we added the Thompson 05, didn't we? Is that what we ended up putting on? I don't remember. Let me see here. What did we put on here? Oh, we put the Auric. The oh, Auric. the Auric. The we'll Auric. get the Thompson on next week. I really want to give that thing a look. Now, it's funny. I hear about this machine. I don't have. I don't know anything about <laughs> the machine. Look at that. That's I hope we get it then. All right. Give it a good whirl. Oh, that's lovely. Look at the thing spin. I could be a professional wheel spinner. All right, bro. What do we got this week? It looks like we are going to be... Uh-oh. It's Bizarro Spin two times in a row. Oh, jeez. For those that don't know, Bizarro Spin means we spin again, and we will be picking each other's game on the topic at hand. This is always scary. You already hosed me this time, so hopefully you do better this time around. All All right. This time, it looks like we've got... What is it? Intex Adventure Vision. Oh, the Intex. Okay, great. This is the Intex Adventure Vision. There's not a there's not a lot of uh, choices here game wise, <laughs> so it'll be easy and bizarre choice. Hey, I've been wanting to do this one for a while. I have it's no a, idea what this is. Well, you're going to learn something, my friend. You're going to learn a great deal. Um, who do we have in the chat today? We have a, a pretty. It uh, looks like we have a rowdy the, crew. The internet hasn't fell apart on us, so we're still a business. Uh, Pixels of Dawn, of course, coming over, giving us a little uh, moderation love. We've got Anthony Becker. We have uh, Amiga Bang, Boom Boom, Geo Lake, Mohawk Mall, uh, and Picard stopped by. We got a little Necronom. Necronom. Uh, and I believe that might round out the bit. I was waiting for your idiot. Oh, Duncan Styles, of your course. Your idiot songs. And while Duncan's here, we should thank him uh, most graciously for the awesome, unbelievably above-our-heads cool graphics that Also, we have a first-time viewer. Uh-huh. Terror K says, hello, first-time viewer, but old-school C64, an Amiga owner and fan. Ooh, Terror K. S- stick around, my friend. We have a lot of everything. Yes, we do. Uh, listen, before we go, uh, and I'm going to spring this on Brent. You know, uh, this, I, and I, I always meant to, mean to mention this, I never do, that we release uh, ARG Presents as both a web, YouTube-based video show, and for those that can't put up with our hideous uh, visages, you also have your, uh, you can also download the podcast, right? Podcast. So, 
uh, and if people stick around throughout the whole show, at the end of the show when I run the credits, for years, after a year, I've tried to kind of theme the closing credits music to match in a comical way to match what we've been talking about. Well, yes, often issuing us copyright. That's strikes. right. And so I'm sick of that. And so oh. what I've decided to do since Duncan has went out and made these awesome, incredible, incredibly yes. rendered cool videos for us. I want to have a proper closing theme that I can put on here every week and not worry about getting smashed by, by the YouTube because these guys are killing me. Me and Boat did a uh, episode of uh, Insert Disc 2 on uh, prison talk. Just talking about stuff that goes on in prisons. They gave me they get took they gave me a whack on that. They said it was too adult. Too adult. <laughs> what are we supposed to talk about? And this is me and Bo. You know, we didn't talk about anything adult in that conversation. So anyway, all that said, I'm getting out of the copyright game. I need a, uh, someone to write me an awesome theme. Now, uh, uh, I don't even care how long it is. It has to be at least like a couple minutes long. But I mean, if it's like 10 minutes or 5 minutes, I don't care. Yeah, uh, it has to be original, and I don't mind. I would hey, mod stuff is great. Uh, I don't care what format it's in because I can convert from anything. Uh, uh, it could be uh, you playing guitar. It could be playing. Uh, it could be you singing. It could be you playing synthesizer. Get your band out there. I'll put. What, I'll, what I'll a put protractor a, action. Protractor. Uh, whatever you want to do. DJ remix anything, but it has to be some sort of original work. It can have samples in it, but that then, you're willing to give us. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not gonna like go out and record it, but I mean, I, and I'll give you full billing at the end of the episode for for uh, for your tune. And if I get a couple good ones, I'll use them all. I'm not yeah. picky. So if you've got a couple tunes, now you know every time I run on these contests, they almost are always dead. No one participates. Oh, it's just always it's, dead. It's over. So if you if you if you're selected, if your song gets picked, you will get a lovely. ARG gift pack, which we oh. are, are, which have become legendary amongst the amongst the few that have received them, and very few have ever received. That's them. right, yeah, because we don't, we they haven't ran one or two contests ever. So if you're interested in uh, coming in and making us a cool song, that would be awesome. Uh, I, in fact, I would if it's really awesome, we could always put the op change the opening theme, which I just sort of ripped off, but I, it works pretty well with the video. But that's just the way it is. Hey, copyrights be darned. So. That's all I got. Next week, Brent, Intex. You don't know anything about that, do you? Zero. I love that. That makes me very happy. So, we will sign off. Thanks for joining us. And until next week, the Intex, Burger Time on.